Well, we just uh, uh, briefly, I had some thoughts about what I thought I was going to uh, share on, and I actually, I, I think it does have to do with what is going on and what can potentially go on in a believer, a Christian, those that are in Christ. Because what uh, we mentioned yesterday, uh, the, two, the two evils and the two dangers for the Christian in the particular time period where we are. The first and most dangerous thing for the Christian is the flesh. Without a doubt. It, as far as a Christian's concerned, okay, because are we in Christ and are we protected from everything and not can, can one single thing happen to us outside of the perfect will of God that would be for Christ's glory and our blessing? Not one single thing could happen. But there is the flesh. And then we talked about, and we were in 1 John, the first chapter, and, and 1 John, the second chapter. Because you'll see those two things. We will see the two things in 1 John is the reality of this. Here, I'll just read 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, right? And that speaks of eternity. Which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and which we have handled, uh, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, of the word of life. Really, the original says the word of life, man, because they couldn't handle him if he just was the son of God and didn't put on humanity. Then it says this, for the life, and when it says the life, this is the fact that when God became a man and took on human form, he became a man forever. Okay, so that happened. That was the eternal mind of God, but it was something that he accomplished in time. That's what makes time so valuable for us. And then that that goes into eternity. See, so everything that we have in Christ was in the eternal mind of God, but for us to experience it, God had to put on humanity. And I don't know if you had the chance to read the post this morning, but it went into that a little bit too, about, about the humanity of Christ and how no wonder this, that thing is so attacked, even up to this day, uh, of course. So when it says in 1 John 1, 2, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it. Now, in 1 Peter 1 8, and there's some that believe they, 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 they had, and I believe there could be some form of a vision, but for any to say now, other than the Apostle Paul, the only one that ever went into the third heaven and was face to face with Christ, he's the only one that ever came back, whoever saw him. And in doing so, that is where all those epistles that teach us the truth about who we are. But 1 Peter 1.8 says, whom having not seen. And that makes it clear that no human being since Paul has ever seen God, Christ, face to face. That just never happened. Any more than anyone, anyone, whoever, and maybe there were visions or dreams, and I'm sure there were, of those that went to heaven and then they came back. That's never taken place. But, for the life was manifested and we have seen it. Okay, and do we, with the teaching and preaching of the word, do we, in this sense, ha has it been manifested for us to see with our own eyes? And of course it has been. That's why even Paul, who I strongly believe upon a mountain of evidence, 
and for reasons why he didn't put his name when he wrote the book of Hebrews, and that's brought out in Hebrews, the third chapter and the first verse. Uh, many different reasons why he didn't put his name there uh, because of the Jews hating him, but he still wanted to give them truth. And, for so, and, and I believe the strongest reason was Hebrews 3.1 because he was talking about the, the high priest and apostle of our faith, Christ. He was not going to put his name there when bringing out those incredible truths that are ours. But what we can see here is the life was manifested, and we've seen it, and bear witness. We're testimonies. That's what we are. We're written epistles in 2 Corinthians 3, okay, 3 through 6. And we have seen it, and we bear testimony, witness, and show unto you that eternal life. That's what we do when we have fellowship. And of course, there's not an ounce of flesh in fellowship. If I believe in my life, and, and, any, and when, when do we not have a fellowship face-to-face? -face? Whenever we have this communication, or whenever we're together, when should we not have fellowship? What do we have in common outside of Christ? It would be the flesh. Wouldn't it be? Of course. It's not, it's not our common, it's, in one sense, it's not our commonality. <laughs> it's not what we are any longer constituted of. So in that sense, when I function in Christ, I listen, I have nothing to prove to a single person. I, I just don't. There's not one single thing that I have to prove to one single person about anything about our life. Furthermore, and we've taught this, and you've heard it taught. I've heard it taught because I've heard it in the Word. God does not give us gifts to elevate us in the flesh. Okay? He doesn't but to humble us in his presence. Notice that? Again, God does not give a man a gift to elevate himself in the flesh, but to humble us in, in his presence. Now, it says this. Okay, for, again, 1 John 1, 2. For the life was manifested, we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life. There's fellowship now. <laughs> There's fellowship. Oh, listen, can I in any way, listen, did God ever leave it up to me to protect my gift? Did he? Honestly, no, I'm, I'm being very honest and very serious with the word. Did God leave it ever up to me to protect my gift? No. No, he did not do that. He just didn't do that for us. He didn't. I mean, honestly, he didn't. Okay? My protection is Christ and, that, and, and love. Okay? And I, I want to make that crystal clear this morning. About as clear as crystal could ever be. Okay? That's the truth of the matter. Come on. What do I have to prove? I, I mean, come on. What is our counsel to each other? Is it Christ? Or some form of protection? Gosh. God, I thought, I thought that anyone that would know us in Christ would, would obviously know that it's all of grace that we function in. Jeez. I, I, for the life of me, I don't understand that. Wow. This is what it's saying. It leaves, listen, I'm going to show you how it leaves out the flesh. Listen, in every single area. What have I to protect? Tell me. 
What have I to protect? Even if someone comes against me, tell me, what do I have to protect? You tell me. I don't have anything to protect. Okay, so let's just love each other. Let's have fellowship. Okay? And, this, and, and I can't, listen, I can't help this and I make no apologies for it. There is an order in fellowship. Okay? Come on. I looked at it like this this morning. Okay, how many of us love Starbucks coffee? I mean, I like it. I don't like what they stand for or anything, but I love their coffee. Do you like it? I do. Oh, well, hi. Someone didn't raise his hand, and his initials are Juddy L. Martinez, but I want to cover him. <laughs> the next time, listen, the next time that you want to taste coffee, Go in there without a vessel and have them put it in your hands and see if you can drink it. Go ahead. How are you going to do that? How's that going to happen? Got to have a vessel. Got to have a vessel. Got to, what would I then be protecting myself from? Someone in Christ or the vessel they are? Stop it. No, stop it. What? Gosh, <laughs> it goes into this here, crystal clear. And I'm be, listen, I'm being very crystal clear, and I mean it in humility and tears inside to not give the enemy a handle in any relationship because I promise you, I promise you today, right now, this moment, he wants to separate. Listen to me. The, listen, here's what I'm saying to you here, and I'm, I'm saying it in tears and brokenness. In here is flesh. Me, right here. In me is flesh. But I am not of it. I'm in Christ. Tell me what I have to protect. Tell me. You know what protects us? The continual flow of his love through grace. Listen, listen, honestly, honestly, edify each other. Edify me. I'll edify you. Love me. Pray for me. But I, I guarantee you, if there's an area in my life where I am off, I promise you, I promise you, God will deal with it. Furthermore, at this point in my life, at 68, I want him to. Because I hate the flesh in me. Because I want to make it clear, the flesh that is in me is just as evil as the Antichrists and right up to the Antichrist. Because the flesh in me is anti-Christ. And if I function in it, I am anti-you. And I don't want to be. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm little. I'm tiny. And uh, I love you and I need love. And I need it. But in Christ. In Christ. There is an order. I can't help that. And I'm not going to apologize for it. Now, in, in, my, in, in any of our serving, in any of our serving is their weakness, is their failure. That's right. But should we treat each other after that? Listen, and I've always said this, and I do mean this with my whole, whole heart with everybody. Honestly, if you have an issue with me, listen to me, please. And, and this is for all of us. This is teaching. I'm teaching by the grace of Almighty God, by His grace, okay? By, by the way, by His grace, I'm breathing right now. Don't make no mistake about it. 
By his grace, I woke up this morning. By his grace. Please don't let anyone talk for me. I promise you I won't allow that either when it comes to my relationship with you. Don't let anyone. And that's why I always teach the Bible that if you have an issue with a particular person, who should you go to first? You go to God. Then who should you go to? That person you believe you have an issue with. I'm dealing with truth, right? I mean it, too, and I'm going to tell you why. Because the enemy is very subtle, and his subtlety is manifested in and through our flesh because that's where it came from. I mean, I can't imagine someone speaking about me who has a few years of maturity based upon, by grace, if we mature, it's grace and truth, right? Don't we know that grace always precedes truth? Don't we know that at this point? So you mean to tell me someone should speak to me that way? I, I Honestly, I don't see it. No, and I'm teaching truth this morning in love. There is no time in the... And what, is, what is the body of Christ made up of in 1 John chapter 2? 12 to 14. That speaks of order in a local assembly. I can't help that. There are babes, young men, and spiritual dads. Okay? And they don't trade places. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. That's just a fact. Okay? I'm not, listen, by me preaching and teaching, whatever it is, I'm not trying to prove anything. I am not using my gift or anything about my gift to prove to anybody anything but Christ. Therefore, I don't have to protect it. I don't have to guard it. Because if I do, okay, I'm protecting the vessel. And I'm not covered by what's in the vessel. Again, God gave me a simple illustration. Ed, you like, you like Starbucks. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yeah. Well, how does God serve us today? Can I ask you that? You, uh, let me ask you. How does he teach us? How does he serve us? Through a vessel. And the last time I checked, he doesn't separate the two. He just doesn't. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7. In the instruction of the scriptures. This is what it goes into. Okay. For the life was manifested, and we've seen it, and bear witness and show it unto you, that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Now, we all do this. Are we weak, frail, fragile vessels? Huh? Should we treat each other after the vessel that we are? Or the treasure that's in the vessel? I don't know. Gosh. Do, do I recognize the fact that I'm not the only one? I don't know. I believe I've taught that for quite some time. By the grace of Almighty God, I don't think I'm the only one. Matter of fact, I recognize men. Matter of fact, I've taught. I've, God has used me as a little vessel to tell men, you know, you have the gift. So I must have known it back then. And desire to fellowship. I don't know. I, listen, honestly, I don't, listen, none of us need to counsel each other subtly through the flesh. It just, it has no part in who we are in Christ. It just doesn't, because it causes all kinds of problems. 
We need to go to each other privately and alone. We absolutely do. But not deal with each other after the flesh, but deal in love. Deal in love. 1 John 1, 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship was with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Okay, so here's the message then. This is the message then which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness. In him is no darkness. Okay, that's what it says. In him is no darkness at all. What does that mean? What does that mean? What do we think that means this morning? There's no darkness at all in him. Wouldn't that be an area of the flesh that we're functioning in? Would it not be that? An area of the flesh? Right? Well, this then is the message that we have heard of him declare unto you that God is light and in him is what? No darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from what? All sin. If we say that we have no sin, <laughs> that sin nature that expresses itself through the flesh that's in us that we're not of, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. We make him a liar. And his word is not in us. And in no way, in no way, in no way do I ever want to communicate a lie to anybody. In no way do I ever want to communicate a lie of the flesh. Please, never. I want nothing but fellowship with every single individual. I promise you that. And honestly, I don't think... <laughs> In his presence, I don't think I'm anything in myself outside of him. I don't think I'm a single thing outside of him. Now that's my place. My place is to constantly see you in Christ. <laughs> we are to know no man after the flesh. That's what it says. Okay, so if I know a man after the flesh, if I know him, how should I treat him? Well, in the life that we truly are, all of us, in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. Listen, in no way do I believe that any truth, any truth that God ever gave me individually and personally, that I ever think it was just mine to teach others, ever. I just want to have fellowship with others. That's what it's saying here in 1 John, the first chapter. In 1 John, the first chapter. I don't, I don't teach that. And, and by the grace of God, God would not have any of us teach the word so that we would elevate ourselves. He just wouldn't. God would never do that. He would, ne he would never give us that place, would he? Outside of his son? Never. Ever. Ever. And I know that. Listen, I am not, I, in no way am I an, an apostle that aren't anymore, right? I haven't seen Christ, and he didn't give me the word to record. That's an apostle. He had that face-to-face, -face, and then you recorded the word. 
in some form or fashion. But I know one thing. In God's order, I do know one thing. <clears throat> the, the young man never took the counsel that the spiritual dad gave him to turn around and counsel him with. It's not God's order. That is violating the order. Those are novice tendencies in 1 Timothy 3, verse 6. They're novice tendencies. And we are a novice in the flesh. Listen, I am a novice when it comes to the flesh that's in me. And by the way, it's evil. The flesh that's in me personally is evil. It is. But when, when I'm submitted to Christ, and only then do I become a vessel and experience the oneness that he pours out. Right? That's right. And, and, and uh, God's being, you know, like he usually is, very, spe very specific. So again, as we said yesterday, I, and what I, what I read was 1 John chapter 1, 1 through 10. And I just want you to know, too, that the first two verses in chapter 2 are literally part of 1 John 1. When you see it in the original and understand it, it's literally the one and the same. So my little children, these things, what are those things? Everything he just said right here in those first 10 verses. These things write I unto you that you what? Sin not. Sin not. Is comparing a sin. It is. That's 2 Corinthians 10, 12. Is, is not honoring God's order, even in a local assembly, is that sin. Okay. When should I ever, according to 2 Timothy 5, verse 1, when should I ever, ever, ever rebuke an elder? Never. No, never. I mean, can you imagine at some point in their fellowship, and even when Barnabas and Paul had that disagreement, you'll see those truths in Acts the 13th chapter and what happened in Acts the 15th chapter. But in no way did he ever rebuke the vessel that God used to teach him. He just didn't. And I can tell you where that comes from. It's not from God's order. Okay, Not that I... did. In some way, do you think in his work, did Paul ever fail while he was serving God? Did he fail? Have you failed in Christ? Have I failed? Yes. Did it stop God from using us? Eventually, when we did get right and had to confess it, we read the scriptures. Did it? It never did. It did not stop him. It just didn't. It never stopped him one time. No. Show me one time that Titus ever rebuked the Apostle Paul or counseled him. Show me one time that Timothy ever did that ever rebuked the one that, you, that he, God used to pour the truth into him. Where would all that come from? This is key to our flesh and our relationships here. Honestly, it is. Because the enemy wants to so distract us by the very thing that's evil, which is the flesh in us, so that we miss fellowship with Christ and just function just like the world and all this prophecy is coming to pass. And you know what we're like when we function outside of Christ, outside of his love. We fear, don't we? I'm going to tell you another reason why 
Even Christians, body members, and even gifted men compare because it's based on fear. It's based upon the fact that individuals want a circle of others to be interested in them. Seriously. I'm going to tell you, we're all one right here. I am one with every believer in Christ. Did you know the Bible says that? So how should we treat each other? Should we treat each other outside of love? Let me ask you this. Is there comparing in love? Is there? Okay. Now, in functioning in love, listen to this. God is love. Do we know that? We make that clear, right? God is love, right? Now, for that love, for us as humans on this earth, especially now that we are the church, he's gathering people out of the world that have nothing to do with the world (laughs) and, and putting them in his son. He's not trying to change the world. He's not trying to make the community better. (laughs) he's taking people out of the world system through receiving Christ and putting them in his body, getting them ready to be raptured before the second advent. That's what's going on right now. That's what's going on. That's all that's going on, right? But we are not of the world, nothing about us, nothing. But what would cause me to compare myself? Did I listen to someone did I? Did I listen to someone? Was the order wrong? Should they have gone to that particular person even before? And could I do it ignorantly? Could I do something like that as a babe? Yeah. But no instruction then to not only protect them, but to protect the others involved? How about young men, though? Even more responsible and accountable because of the light of the revealed scriptures. How about young men, young women in Christ? I don't know. You know, in your childhood, even in your natural family with your mom and dad, do you ever discipline them? I bet you you and I rebuked them at some point. I bet you something else happened in love. Hopefully it was. Listen, God does all things, not just some, all things, decent and in order. Is God love? Is he? Can you separate then order, his order? Because where does his order flow from? Who he is, his nature, character, and essence. It's love and justice with a bunch of other things that we don't have time to get into right now. But his nature is revealed in Exodus 34 and verse 14. And then there are attributes that are as a result of that nature that flow out of it. And again, we don't have the time to go into those things right now. But that's a reality. That's an absolute reality. Okay? And and, and tell you what I'm going to do in my relationships with us. In my relationships, and it's just the way God has it now with us here. In, in Massachusetts and with those that are in Texas, I, I, by the grace of Almighty God, I will never allow another person, I will not allow another person to speak for you about anything. Okay? If I see an issue and someone has an issue, and if God leads me, okay, if God leads me, why? Because I went to him first. Who should I go to? That person alone. And I do, and I, and I want to make this clear too. What, what happened recently was an order. 
because the order, the order might have been wrong, but God dealt with it in a beautiful way, in a right way in his order. I just want to make that clear, too, just in case the enemy wants to use accusations when God did a beautiful work. He did. No question about it. Because, if, again, if, if someone went outside of the order and, and went, went outside that order and went to other people, and those other people brought it, it was brought to light, they had no idea about it. Then you bring it to the order. How does the order of a local assembly, how, how does the order of a local assembly function? He gave some evangelists and pastors and teachers for the maturing of the saints. So light is brought, maybe it was outside in order, it went to someone, someone else, that God led them, brought it to light to those that God has given us guides over us, and then things can be beautifully dealt with that way. It's beautiful. I mean, it truly is. It truly is. So, we're going to wrap it up this morning, but he, this is what it says. My, my little children, these things I write unto you. These are all yours. What are you, what are you saying here? Again, remember, chapter... T- uh, two, one and two of First John literally are, are the same part without being separated from First John 1, 1 through 10. So these, my little children, these things write I unto you that what? Because of all these things you have, you don't have to sin. <laughs> That's what it's saying. Right? That's exactly what it's saying. You do not have to sin. And what is sin for the believer in Christ? Is it to function outside the order of God, which, is this, which proceeds from his nature, which is love? Is it? It's the same. My little children, these things write I unto you that what? You, that you shouldn't sin. I mean, it, it really, and we've taught it this way before. It's like a surprise. It's a shock. <laughs> oh, God. oh, you have all this and you sinned? Oh, okay, well. <laughs> some think the normal Christian life is sinning and repenting, sinning and confessing, sinning and confessing. It's not the normal Christian life. It's not. Now, we do have to do that, and maybe sometimes we might have to do it a hundred times in one day. Wow. I don't know if I've ever got up that far, but I've been pretty far at times. These things right hand to you that you sin not. Now, if... If, oh my God, if, if any man sin, we have an advocate with who? Now, whether it was my sin or the sin of what someone did against me, what is it teaching me right here? Who do I go to first? My father. Who's my father? My natural father or my heavenly father? My heavenly father. That's God's order. You see how it's working? Do, Do we see this? Do we see the the clarity of it, how it works? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation. Propitiation, too. Uh, For us, in terms of, and some would teach it this way, the Godward side of the cross and propitiation was God uh, having dealt with a sin issue through his son on Calvary. That doesn't have a thing to do with personal sins. It's the sin question that was answered between the Father and the Son. Then all those who would receive them, all those sins were put on him. 
to all those that would receive them. Then he would give them the power to become the sons of God, even to them that would believe on his name, which is the accomplishment of his person and his work revealed through his nature in uh, John 1, verse 12. It's just the way it is, right? We have an advocate. He's a propitiation. What, is, what do we mean by it? he's the propitiation? Well, the sin question in the first part of propitiation is brought out in the type in Genesis 22, verse 8. Abraham and Sarah, and we've taught this before, Abraham and Isaac, I should say, went up to Mount Moriah, and um, God was testing Abraham, testing him, not tempting him. God doesn't tempt, James 1.13. He does test, 1 Peter 1.7, the trial, that we're not to think so strange in 1 Peter 4.12. We're not to think it's so strange. <laughs> Tested him to see if, he, if there was anything that God would give him. Did God give Isaac to Abraham or did Abraham produce it on his own? When God gave him Isaac, he was helpless and hopeless, both him and his wife. He was 100 and she was 99. So did God give him Isaac? So he was testing him. Even the gifts that God gave him. Are you willing to submit those gifts to God? Remember what we said in the beginning? And I say we because God the Holy Spirit has taken the things of Christ and I'm a little vessel and he's pouring them in. That's my we. By the way, I'm just we. That means I'm little and small. <laughs> we. Right? To see, even if those gifts would be used to hinder Christ, God the Father, from having first place in our life. Think about it. Every gift he's ever given us. But here was the son, right? Then what did, what did, in response to the question that Isaac had, what was Abraham's response that God gave him? It was Genesis 22, verse 8. My son, God will provide himself a sacrifice. God will provide himself a sacrifice. Notice that? Mm-hmm. That's propitiation, and that's the Godward side. The manward side is, towards us, if we can say it like that, is the propitiations for our sins. Now it's dealing with us, with our sins. And by the way, we had nothing to do with either. The only thing we had to do was our sins were put on him. Listen, our sins. You know, the fleshly areas, when we function in sin, that we're trying to protect and counsel each other, and protect, we're dealt with and gone. You got that? It's gone. It's gone. Do I have it? I hope so, and I pray so, Father, as I grow in it. He is a propitiation for our sins. Show me one place. Our, when it says our sins there, is it talking about every single human being on the face of the earth? Is it? No. It's talking about those that are what? In Christ, received him. I want to make that crystal clear again. The bad teaching, okay? Christ was the propitiation for the sin of the world. That's John 1, 29. But for the sins, look what it says. He's the propitiation for our sins. And look, and not for ours only, but also for, and any translation where you see the sins of, it's italicized because it doesn't belong there. But also for the world. In other words, it's potential for them. Because the sin question's been dealt with. Now will you believe and receive the fact 
that he paid for those sins. You know those things that we're always trying to deal with each other in our flesh and trying to protect and use the gift to do it? God. Yeah, why? Because we want a circle of interest around ourselves and we need to protect that in case someone is drawn more to someone else than me. Good gracious, that's fellowship? No, that's comparison. That is comparison. God forbid that we do that, huh? We're all one in Christ. Come on. You're going to compare a baby in Christ to a, to, to a young man in Christ to a spiritual dad in Christ? Are we all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus in Galatians 3 verse 26? Of course we are. But do we all function in the same way in God's order, his government through a local assembly? Do we all ha- occupy the same place? And we do not. We don't. But we all have the same life. And we're all growing in it. And it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> so here's a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, potentially, but also for the whole world. Hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. What were, the simplicity of his commandments were completed in Christ, by the way. What? To love God. You see that in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. You see that. If only we would teach our children properly. In 6, 7. That's why there's no such thing as a Sunday school. I'm all for it if we need that. <laughs> Mommy and Daddy, you teach your children in the home. That's the Sunday school. And it isn't what you say that teaches them alone. It's how you behave. How you conduct yourself in the presence of God in their presence. That's how it functions. Now, he that says, I know him, and keeps not his commandment is what? A liar. So if I seek in, my, in any relationship I have with another believer, especially in a local assembly, or especially with those that God has used as a vessel over us for a number of years, and I try to protect my flesh, or even use the preaching and teaching that was given to do that, is, is, is anything but the flesh a liar? Is it anything other than that? Well, because it came from the father of all lies in John 8, verse 44. And the truth, who's the truth? Jesus, 14, 6, John. The truth, John 17, 17, sanctify them. And sanctification means you get set apart from the flesh and set into Christ. Now, the moment we receive Christ, that was sanctification. We were set apart from the flesh, instantly set in Christ. That's position. Now we're growing progressively in sanctification, continually being separated in our experience from the flesh and being set again into our proper position in our experience. That's why we teach the difference between position and experience and how they should be the same. And they are as far as God's concerned, but what is our view? His view never changes. God, does God's view ever change about you and I? Should God's view of each of any of us in any relationship change? Is there something I have to protect? I have to make crystal clear? I don't think there's any crystal clear clarity in the flesh. Matter of fact, I know there isn't. In mine or in anyone else's. And the truth is not in him. That's experience. Positionally, He's in the truth, but experientially is the truth that Christ is in his experience. 
if Christ is my experience and I'm experiencing him, tell me what must I protect? I think I got to protect my gift. Really? That's what God gave me a gift for? To think to do so is to be severed from the head who gave the gift, and that's Ephesians 4, verse 8. And every one of us has a gift, by the way. Did you know that? Every single believer has a specific gift. That's why no one can say, what about me, God? <laughs> what about me? What am I all about? You're all about, I'll tell you what, God. He, he's working out the flesh in us experientially, working in Christ, first and foremost. And by the way, he considers, and we saw it in one of the posts, I can't even remember which it was or what. I, can't, I don't remember. Fact of the matter is, he came not to be ministered unto. Christ did not become, did not come here to be ministered unto. You know how I many to make that a first place? And you wonder why they become irritated and protective? Because they're away from sitting at his feet and they're in the kitchen, like Martha, jealous and upset because Mary's resting at his feet, receiving true service from the life only that serves. He came not to be ministered unto, Matthew 20, 28, and Mark 10, verse 45. He didn't come to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So God would give me the life of Christ in a gift to present my flesh. Never. I'm going to tell you, he doesn't, listen, he does not violate the honor of his order. To do so, would he would have to violate himself, wouldn't he? Yes. This is a specific order. I remember teaching this years ago, a certain individual that was with me for about a year, and boy, he couldn't stand that stuff. He couldn't stand it. Whew. So he had to sit down and receive. Hopefully, like we all do. Okay? But whoso, and we'll close 1 John 2, verse 5, but whoso keeps his word, what's, how do we keep his word, his truth in our experience? By being kept by him. And that means a yoke. I'm going to tell you who needs a yoke more than anybody. Listen, leaders. Listen, listen. Leaders. You le are you a husband? Leaders. Are you a boss at work? Is the question? Leaders, pastors and teachers, most importantly, leaders. Leaders, be careful, those that are Christ, that you're not following a man's flesh that has a gift. We need to be very careful because we not only affect ourselves, if there's an issue between one man and another, it should be settled privately because their behavior, especially if they've been used by God over a, a bunch of different people, they need to be careful in their own behavior because it'll affect those that God has graciously used to reveal his truth to
But whoso keeps his word by being kept with the yoke, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, Lamentations 3, uh, verse 27, Ecclesiastes 12, 1. Whoso keeps his word being kept by Christ, 1 Peter 1, 5, we're kept by the power of God. Who's the power of God? 1 Corinthians 1, 24, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Do we need power? Do we need wisdom? They both flow from love. You also see that in 2 Timothy 1, 7. This is the counsel of the word. It happens to come in chapters and verses, but it's the counsel of the word. It's the word. Uh, this is the word. But whoso keeps his word by being kept in him, verily, the love of God is completed continually. He just constantly is the completion, the true completion of our true experience. It's Christ. Hereby know that we are in him. You want to know, am I right, God? Well, listen, unless my will submitted to him through yoke, I, will I even know it? No. And what do I not know? Where do I not know what I should know? It's in the flesh. That's the reason for Hebrews 4.12 and for the individual in their own spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6, verse 17, the sword of the Spirit. He that, okay, okay, and hereby know that we are in him. He that says he abides in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. I want to say this. Where is all suspicion come from? Comparison. You're a suspect. I heard something. Someone told me something. Now I become suspicious. Is he using his gift? Does he think he's the only one? Is he the only one? Well, you see the order, how important it is? Do you see the order? Because it'll keep all that out. That's why we all have to go to him first. Amen? And he loves us. He loves us and has given us beautiful counsel right now. And I am telling you right now, He's given us beautiful counsel. So, Lord, we thank you for your precious and beautiful and incredible counsel. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.